0: come alive with pastor mark martinez
1: if you're not planning and you're only praying what's going on there you can't just plan without praying so we need to do both we need to pray and plan They're not at odds with each other. And again, many Christians think it's very unspiritual to make plans. They'll say, well, you know, we'll just let the Lord, we'll just trust in the Lord. I interpret that to mean, well, I don't have a clue about how I'm going to move on from here to there. So I'm just going to throw it up in the air. We should try to at least make a plan, some idea.
0: while you are praying in today's message from Pastor Mark he teaches you the importance of both praying and planning many christians think that it is unspiritual to plan because they think that if they plan they are not trusting in the lord however god desires that we both plan and pray you need to seek god's will in everything but also ask him how to go about what it is that you are seeking try to plan how you think the lord is leading you and then bring it to him in prayer Don't be afraid to wait for His timing. When you wait for Him, He will give you the peace that you need to move forward with His plans for your life. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Nehemiah chapter 2 for today's edition of Come Alive.
1: Nehemiah chapter 2 is where we are at. If you remember from last week, we'll kind of cover a few different things from last week, just kind of a quick review. We made it through to verse 4 from chapter 2, but we're going to read through beginning at verse 1. It says, "...and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, it says that I took, and so that tells us who wrote the book, that would be Nehemiah, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. And now I had never been sad in his presence before." "'Therefore the king said to me, "'Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? "'This is nothing but sorrow of heart.' "'So I became dreadfully afraid, and I said to the king, "'May the king live forever. "'Why should my face not be sad "'when the city and the place of my father's tombs, "'it lies in waste, and its gates are burned with fire?' "'And then the king said to me, "'What do you request?' So I prayed to the God of heaven, that's a short prayer, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah so that I may rebuild it. And then the king said to me, and the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? And so it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Let's stop there. So one of the things, you know, a couple of things we reviewed in the last couple of weeks was how Nehemiah went about this. First of all, in chapter one, we saw that he prayed. And last week we talked about how long he prayed for four months. He prayed a prayer for four months. And we talked about sometimes how we tend to want to rush everything. We're in a hurry for an answer from God. And so sometimes God says, hey, you know what? Just settle down. Just wait. It could be a new car, a new house, a big purchase, a small purchase. It could be about a relationship. It could be about a job. It could be about anything. But are you willing to wait on the Lord? Or or do you want to shoot up a prayer and say, Lord, bless what I want to do. And when he doesn't, then we get upset and we tend to wonder, like, how could this have gone sideways on me? Well, this chapter that we're reading, chapter 2, shows us that Nehemiah had been doing a lot of advanced thinking and planning. So remember, while waiting, Nehemiah had planned. That would be your topic. You could write that down if you're a note taker. While waiting on this, Nehemiah had made plans. Nehemiah again showed great wisdom as he respectfully asked for a leave of absence and to be sent. He said, you send me by the king. He wanted the king king to send him. And he asked the king to share in his concern for Jerusalem. But notice he didn't name the city. He didn't name Jerusalem at all. He says, hey, you know, I want you to become a partner with me in getting the city and its people back where they should be. And now this is kind of interesting when you think about it because it was the Medes and the Persians who had sacked the city in the first place. They were the ones who had gone out and destroyed Jerusalem. And they had taken the Jews captive. So here's one of those things where you might think, well, you know, this person is mean or this person has done this. And in prayer, you can really change a lot. Now, prayer doesn't force God's hand at anything. I want to say that. But what prayer does is it shows it aligns your will and God's will. It changes you, not God. And so as Nehemiah prayed, his vision was also revealed. Notice it says that I may rebuild it. And you can highlight that because that's what Nehemiah wanted to do is rebuild the city. And so we see that there. That was a huge job and it was a big deal. It was a big goal to have. Now, I'll say this. A lot of times I meet Christians and they're just so-so. They have, well, they don't have any goals. They have no big dream. You know, we serve a big God and we should have these gigantic dreams. And we should see that, you know, God is an amazing God. And so one of the things we need to see there is that here's this huge task. One man rebuilding the city. And so he asked that I may rebuild it. And again, a huge job and a big goal. Nehemiah isn't going on a mere fact-finding expedition, or he's not going out just to tell the leaders of Jerusalem what a bad job they were doing. He goes to get the work done, trusting in God the whole way. Every step of his journey, he trusts in God. So the question would be, do we? When we have a large task at hand, do we shrink back from it? Are we afraid to see it or see it through? Do we have this idea and we think, man, it's cool, and we start it and and we try to do it? And a lot of times I'll see people, they do things in their own flesh and then it just falls. A lot of times Christians are seen as people who have no follow through. Uh, sometimes you can see that and, and the different things that take place in different churches or different ministries as it starts off as this really great idea, but there's no follow-through, there's no... Working through the lean years, and you know what, my wife and I call beans and rice in Jesus Christ, where you, you know, you may not have a whole lot, but the Lord provides what you need in the situation, and He gives us His Son Jesus and says, you know, if you depend on Him, and it's not about big things, it's about being passionate about what the Lord calls you to do. So here we see that Nehemiah has this dream of rebuilding the wall. He's not going on a fact finding expedition, but what He is going to do here is that He wants to get work done. Again, Nehemiah shows wisdom by referring to Jerusalem without specifically mentioning the city. He says, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs. So here he wants to go to the tombs of his father. Although we can also say that Nehemiah is not being deceptive, though Jerusalem might have historically been a rebellious city to Persia, it isn't any longer and it will not be. And so that's one of the things we have to really see here is that he's very cautious in the way he says things. It pleased the king to send me. If it pleases the king to send me. So Nehemiah's sympathetic heart, he spent months in prayer, and his moment of prayer, his great faith, his big vision, his very wise response were all answered positively. It says, I set him a time. So now look at that with me. If you're a highlighter or a note taker, or if you're going to underline, underline that. I set him a time. See, as a capable leader, Nehemiah clearly had a plan. He had a plan. You and I as Christians, and you might think, well, what am I going to have a plan for? Well, let me say this. If you're married, if anyone's ever done any kind of marriage counseling, especially premarital counseling with us, prior to their marriage, we tell people, you're about to join forces Two people are going to come together. What is your plan? And oftentimes they look at us like, we're crazy. What do you mean, what is our plan? Well, do you have a budget? Because if you think about it, a business has a plan. There's a business plan. Why not a marriage plan? Why not a marriage plan? Uh, Maybe some people plan, you know, well, in two years we're going to have kids, and we always you know, hear those other people say, well, you know, it's it's in the Lord's hand, and there are those who do that. But I always find it funny that those people who are like, well, you know, especially with children— You know, it's like, well, it's in the Lord's hand. We're just going to have, you know, whatever the Lord wants us to have. But they never really do that when it comes to fixing their hair. Whatever the Lord wants to do with my hair this morning, I'm just going to let him do it. I'm not going to. There's a plan. There's always a plan. And so we should have a plan. Now, I'm not saying if you don't have a family plan that you're a bad person or anything, nothing like that. But there should be some type of a plan set forth that you and your wife and your family, our family has a plan, our kids know. And in January of every year, we sit down and we plan out our year. Hey, what do you want to do this year? How do you want to do it? And so this year they said, well, you know, instead of going to Guatemala, can, can we go canoeing down the Colorado River? And we're like, sure, we can do that. That's way cheaper. You know, it, it's a lot cheaper and uh, we can actually go out and hang out as a family. They just wanted a, a, a little bit of time. So we, there was a plan and we, we tried to hit it when they want to do it. So it's good to have a plan. So we set them a time. And he said, I set him a plan, I set him a time, so he had time to have the door open. Four months in prayer. And then the door opens, you know. And so God was also listening to him and in working out a spirit-led plan. As Christians, that's what we should do. We should go to God's word and say, hey, what's the plan here? How is this going to honor the Lord in what we do? And so also God listened to him, worked out a spirit-led plan for him to do. And when God opened the door, and then Nehemiah jumped. Nehemiah knew how long he would need to be gone. Said I set him a time. He knew he would need letters of safe passage from the king. And he says, "Let letters be given." Look, look where he says. He says, "Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah." So he's smart. He's got this plan. He knew that what kind of materials also would be needed. Verse 8, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates and for the citadel which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. So a plan. When you build a house, there's a plan. There's got to be a plan. If there's not, then you know your house will wind up crooked. It will wind up messed up. So Nehemiah, what he does is he asks for materials. He knew he needed timber. He knew what work needed to be done, the gates of the citadel, he says, the city wall, and the house that I will occupy. So the funny thing is, here's this king who destroyed Jerusalem. Nehemiah goes and says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to provide me all the stuff I need to rebuild what you have destroyed. And I want you to also build me a house in the same breath. I mean, you know, you've got to think about this. This has got to be the coolest conversation ever. Uh, what would you do if somebody said, hey, you know, my worst enemy lives next door, and I'm going to go next door. And I... But think about it. Throughout the Bible, we see this happening. In the book of Exodus, we see it happen that the children of Israel go to the Egyptians and knock on the door and say, hey, can you guys give us some gold? We would like to move. And the Lord makes it possible that, well, they'd start donating to the children of Israel. So is there anything impossible for the Lord Anything at all? And so the answer is no. So Nehemiah knew all of this without ever having seen for himself the condition of Jerusalem before. He knew the needs by carefully and patiently seeking God. He asked God, what are the needs of the people? Not what, what, not what he thought needed to be done, but what are the needs of the people? And he sought God for the answer. So Nehemiah had a plan. And God always, let me say this, God always works through a plan. The Lord our God is a planning God. And you say, well, how do you know this? Because again, we don't wanna just throw caution to the wind. Psalm thirty-three, eleven, tells us this, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generation. So the Lord has a plan. We see it in this book. He's got a plan. He had a plan of salvation. Prior to you ever being born, there was a plan of your salvation. So from the beginning of the plan of salvation in eternity past, God has had a plan and he's working out his plan. Sometimes it may seem that God blesses a a lack of planning. I'll say that. I want to throw that out there. Sometimes it seems like God does bless a lack of planning. And then sometimes God does a blessed work completely different from what we have planned. But in every case, God works through planning. And if not our planning, then his planning. But as a general principle, when you think about it, God wants to train us up into the work of being planners, just as he is a planner. And so you and I need to make plans. Now, we need to be flexible in there because, you know, we we say all the time, blessed are the flexible. You might have a plan, and you might be traveling towards that plan. And then God says, okay, I'm still going to allow this plan to happen, but I need you to take a sharp left. And you're like, no, but my plan calls for me to go straight. No, you're going to go left, and you might do a left and then a right. And you might zigzag all throughout your little plan never leaving the box that God intended for you. And one day, instead of being 10 years, it might be 15 or 20 years later, you arrive at the goal of whatever that plan is that you had. But it's the plans of the Lord that matter most. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. So we need to be careful that we're not rushing God, that we're not trying to push him forward. See, faith is no substitute. For planning. Faith is no substitute for planning. See, we are more spiritual for failing to plan and for shooting from the hip. That's sometimes what happens. We're not more spiritual when we do that. Well, we think we may be. Well, I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit lead today. Okay, that's good some days, but not every day. See, there may be some times when we simply can't plan, but we should never reject planning. I wake up every day and on my calendar, you know, I was showing a a guy yesterday and he goes, he picked it up and he saw my calendar. He goes, seriously? And I go, what? And he goes, look at your calendar. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, it's almost like every hour is filled. You even have times of do nothing, plan to do nothing at that time. I really do because sometimes I'll get so busy and caught up. I need to have a plan to do nothing. Uh, I have a plan for tomorrow to do as much of, Nothing is possible as I can because I've been so busy all weekend. And so that's there, but the, I, I need to remain flexible in that because something might pop up that I might need to address. And so sometimes we just simply can't plan for certain things and we just got to jump at that moment. But we should never reject planning. See, the king was very enthusiastic about supporting Nehemiah and his venture. So when the king asked how long he would be gone, Nehemiah didn't vaguely say, well, that's up to the Lord. You know, sometimes I, I hear Christians doing that. I'm like, hey, you know, so how long are you going to do this? Or how? Well, that's truly up to the Lord. It's like, really? Seriously? I mean, okay. And sometimes it's shorter than long. So sometimes, you know, I think a lot of people say that and they don't mean it. They're just flaky, they're wishy washy. So when the king asked how long he'd be gone, again, Nehemiah tells him. While we learn later in chapter 5, verse 14, which is amazing, that Nehemiah was in Jerusalem for 12 years. 12 years, that's a long time. Probably he finished the wall and then reported back to Artaxerxes and then came back to serve as governor. That, that could have been it, but according to 514, it talks about him being there for 12 years. So there could have been a break. He might have come back and then was sent out again. But not only did Nehemiah give the king a definite time, he also laid out some definite requests that show that he had been doing some careful planning. And look at verse 7 again. It says, Furthermore, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let the letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. So this king has some pull. And it's good to have a friend in a very high place. We have a king, the king of kings. He's in a very high place. And so he is our friend. It says he sticks closer than a brother. Verse 8 says, And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me, according to the good hand of, and you can highlight that, God upon me. Is God's hand upon you? I mean, think about that. That's an answer where you constantly, sometimes we wrestle with, and like, man, I wonder, Lord, if your hand's upon me. Is your hand upon me? Let me say this. If you're a Christian, it is. Now, you may not get everything you want, but you'll get everything you need. And so if it's a need, know this, that God will provide it. So it says in verse 9, And then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, the official, heard of it, they were deeply disturbed, that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So he requested letters from the kings to the governors in the provinces to allow him to pass through, to have safe passage through their territory. He asked for the letter of the keeper of the king's forest to get timber. So it would be like saying, hey, can you give me a gift card? unlimited amount for the Home Depot or for Lowe's so I can make repairs to the walls and to the gates. And also, you know, I need some extra lumber to build me a house because I need a place to stay. So when he gets to Jerusalem, he assesses the situation firsthand, obviously did some thoughtful planning as how to approach the project. That's important for us as well to understand that, well, maybe you have a situation going on at home, a relationship issue. Uh, did you plan out how you're going to approach the problem? Or did you just fly and shoot from the hip, fly off the handle? A lot of times if we plan it out, if we seek the Lord, even in a small argument with our spouse, it's better to just say, hey, you know what, Lord, can you can you just sweeten my words? Can, can you give me patience? Can you give me a kind heart? Can you not allow me to see this as something that's being done against me on purpose? You know, one of the things I always tell my wife and that she tells me is like, hey, I'm not your enemy. I'm not your enemy. I just disagree with you and your decision. But we're not enemies. So he gets to Jerusalem. He assesses. He makes plans as he approaches the project. And then here's what you need to know, what I need to know. Prayer and planning are not at odds with each other. A lot of people think they are. Well, you know, if you're not praying about it and you're just planning, well, that's true. If you're not planning and you're only praying, what's going on there? You can't just plan without praying. So we need to do both. We need to pray and plan. They're not at odds with each other. And again, many Christians think it's very unspiritual to make plans. They'll say, well, you know, we'll just let the Lord, we'll just trust in the Lord. I interpret that to mean, well, I don't have a clue about how I'm going to move on from here to there. So I'm just going to throw it up in the air. We should try to at least make a plan, some idea. So it's true that we can go to the other extreme of being so elaborate in our plans that we trust the plans and not the Lord. But Nehemiah shows the biblical balance. He balances this thing. It's not unbalanced. He balances it by saying, I'm going to wait on the Lord in prayer. I'm going to wait on God in prayer, but also thinking and planning about what he would do when God opens the door. See, that's important for us to understand, that we need to continue in prayer. Just because it's not answered quick doesn't mean it's a no. Sometimes it's a wait. It's a hold back. Thus, while you wait on the Lord, you pray and you develop patience and you plan. A second thing you can think about is to serve God realistically, we must learn to work with people. How many of you work with people? Raise your hands. Let me see. All of us do. Do you do you like every one of those people? No. Do they get on your nerves? Yes. I mean, if we're honest, they do. See, it's easy to be idealistic about serving God until you meet the actual people that you have to work with. Until you get side by side with them, suddenly you realize the truth that Linus had shouted: "I love mankind. It's people I can't stand." Right. And so the ministry and anything you do involves people. Many people, many people bomb out of ministry or serving uh, in the church because they've never learned how to work with other people. They want to do things their way. And, and oftentimes in ministry, we're called to be servants. We're called to sit back and say, okay, cool, we'll see if this works. And if it doesn't work, hey, can can I make a suggestion? Uh, I'm always that guy that's like, man, the more suggestions, the better. That's the less things I have to plan and think about. So some people are very abrasive or sensitive and when people react against them they develop a persecution complex but Nehemiah he was a sensitive person and he was sensitive to people and he responded with tact. but when he needed and he had a situation come up he was able to confront the situation with uncompromising strength We've come alive! Thanks for tuning in
0: today to come alive. Pastor Mark has been walking through the book of Nehemiah, revealing God's provision and plans for his people and for you as you continue to follow him today. We hope you've been encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Pastor Mark or the Come Alive ministry, head to our website, comealiveradio.com. There you'll also find an archive of our teachings as well as a link to the church this program originates from, Calvary Chapel, Katy. If you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you.
1: Calvary Chapel Katie is a great group of Jesus followers who are ready and waiting to welcome you into our family. We'll make sure you find a friendly smile and a listening ear. We genuinely want to get to know you. Come and see us on Sunday at 10 a.m. or find out more about our men's and women's Bible studies. Give us a call with any questions and to get directions. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. See you there.
0: Thanks, Tracy. That phone number again is 281-391-5503. We want to know how we can be praying for you as well, so please let us know when you call. Prayer is powerful, and we are honored to be able to do this for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in today, and be sure to join us next time to keep learning from Nehemiah. That's right here on Come Alive.